Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Good morning and welcome to the History of Alchemy podcast. I'm Travis Dow. And I'm Pete Coleman from the Bohemian podcast. And today we have a special guest with us because today is a special episode. Our guest is my father, Randall Dow, but for anonymity's sake, we'll call him Randy to protect his identity. Except for me, I might call him Dad. Um, anyways, he was, he was on his way to a PhD in chemistry before he was lured into, at the time, shiny new world of computers and is an accomplished software engineer and consultant. He still has a few chemistry factoids jingling around in his brains, though, so he's here to consult us and keep us honest and probably also to get us from getting killed mostly to keep us from getting killed. Welcome, welcome to our show, Dad, Randy. Thanks for having me. Today we're doing a special episode, like I said. We're not in the studio like we normally are. We're sitting in my kitchen. That's because our server costs for these podcasts have become unsustainable, and we're going to make some gold. This will illuminate the process and give insight into how it was done and maybe even cover our server costs with the gold we'll make. I'm, hope, I'm hopeful because we, we really need some dough. Yeah, I think this is this is gonna be needed. So at the end of this podcast, I hope we all gonna have a pocket full of gold. And I'll take my consulting costs in gold. <laughs> mm-hmm. Randy, you got it right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, one of the things that we mentioned in other episodes, uh, the reason uh, alchemical writings are in code and obfuscated to protect the knowledge from um, other base creatures of evil sinners that could actually take this knowledge and and become rich. Yeah, we don't. We're not saying that we use it for evil. We use it for evil purposes, and we're not saying our listeners are evil or the possibility of becoming evil from this. But we want to make sure that you take this knowledge with care, Mm -hmm. and uh, kids don't try this at home. That's right. All right, pretty important. Now, before we get started, Travis, one of the things that we have to keep in in mind as the old uh, alchemical ways of knowing that astrology plays a pretty big part in this, right? Yeah. Okay, so we need to kind of know where we are with our certain metals and where we are the planets and how they're aligned. For instance, metals to planets, which would be like gold to sun, iron to Mars. Yeah. We have to have that knowledge base to make sure that that's all equated. Each can come down a level, but never up. Right. Right? So up iron can become copper, um, you can, but uh, never copper to iron. Right. So keep that in mind, mm-hmm. right? Some of our previous episodes, we sort of touched on this, I, I believe. We've mentioned this, and we'll, we'll do a show just on astrology for, you know, related to alchemy for this purpose. But we just get, you know, to make gold, we've got to be aware of these things. So right? I'm going to look out the window right now and uh, kind of get an idea that only when the sun and moon are in Cassiopeia, we should be in Capricorn, Capricorn to start, mm-hmm. right? So we have, the pre- we have the prerequisites met right now, don't we? Yep, check. Another thing is beards. Alchemists often had beards, and that was thought to be mystically important. Alchemists once went on strike under Rudolf II by cutting off their beards, shortly before being put to death. So, beard check? Check. Absolutely. Check. (laughs) Okay, so we chose this time of year because of the necessary constellation needed to start. We've set up my kitchen as an alchemist lab. And again, do not... beards. And we have our beards. Do not try this yourselves, guys. This This is not good. 
Um, there's there's risks of mercury poisoning. Uh, it really stinks, like rotten rotten eggs and vinegar. If if that's uh, if we can get that across, uh, often where possible, like India and the Middle East, this would be done outside. You know, weather permitting. Better I mean, ventilation, absolutely. Yeah, the, the fumes, smoke, vapors, this can be really intense and also very poisonous. I mean, mercury, mercury vapors is nothing to toy around with. But for our sake, we've converted my kitchen into a lab, and we've sent my wife out of town. That's, that's critical. This is, good. this is good. She's with her parents in Costa Rica, so I, I think we're safe. Also, we've set up kind of an industrial ventilation. I don't know if you can hear it over. It's pretty loud. Um, have you ever seen Breaking Bad? We, we kind of look like that right now with our hazmat suits and makeshift equipment. I, I, I can still smell rotten eggs, though. I think I, I must have got some sulfur inside of my We're suits. We're going to need to open up the window a little bit better. Yeah, buddy. man, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. So we got the, the fan is running now, so that should help with the uh, ventilation. Uh, let's see. We've got our Athenor. It's a big brick furnace, but we're just going to use uh, your stove. We don't need too high temperatures, just steady and consistent heat. We have a retort, a sort of sphere with a long neck. Uh, you've mentioned that in previous episodes. We have an alembic. You've talked about that, too. It's for distillation, and uh, we'll come to that. A cucurbit. We're just using your biggest cooking pot. Your wife's going to kill you. Probably. Just don't break yeah, the pot, man. Don't yeah. break the pot. We're, we're, we're going to have to replace that. We're never going to be able to do a show like this again. <laughs> What's that egg smell? <laughs> And we also bought a, we bought a number of kind of various flasks and vials because, A, we need them, and, two, they make us look like mad scientists when we hold them with our hazmat suits on. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. To help get into the mood of things, I've painted on my hazmat suit, I painted a huge two-headed lion on my hazmat suit. Rand painted a, a skeleton riding a dragon nice. representing the black phase. Is that, is that what that is? Yep. And Pete, it looks like you went with Hello Kitty. I decided to go with the less menacing sort of uh, sort of deal, but uh, my little homage to maybe the Japanese and Asian sort of uh, okay. alchemists. Okay. Okay, I see that we've got a matras here, the round bottom flask, and aludel. That's a pear shaped, open at both ends flask. That's good for sublimation. Uh, there's a crucible for melting and high temperature. Um, Normally out, we, normally out of clay or porcelain, but I see that yours is a, a good porcelain one. And a cupel, a porous bone, ash, or clay for separating the metals. I see a pelican glass vessel with side arms for circular distillation. We don't need one for this. Yep, all right. And uh, other devices with weird alchemical names that have come up in various podcasts are the philosopher's egg, skull cap, brain pan, angel tube, spirit holder, moon vessel, Mother of the Stone Container, wow. Matrix Vase, Hermes Cup, Cup of Babylon, and Tomb of the Dead. Okay, uh, Tomb of the Dead, that, that's, that's a good one. Uh, we, <laughs> we have, like, none of these, by the way. Um, so uh, mostly just stuff from Goodwill uh, and stuff yeah. from your wife's kitchen. So we're going to do the best I, we can. I, I think we'll manage. All right, so yeah. I'm going to move some of this stuff over a little bit because uh, we need some more room on the table. Yeah. So we've also... Hunted for various salts, powders. Hey, can you keep it down over there? Thanks. Sorry, sorry. Uh, acids, metals using mercury, uh, metals including mercury, sulfur, and uh, <coughs> uh, dung. Uh, I'm sorry, which, what, what was that? Uh, no, nothing, nothing. Wait, 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 you didn't tell me <laughs> when I agreed to this. <laughs> so, anyways, that gave us sal ammoniac, which is ammonium chloride. We have baking soda, ammonium bicarbonate, because that could, that could actually work. 
And if baking soda is too hard to come by, you can always distill your urine. What? Anyways, moving on. Okay, so let's talk about more some more of some of the things that we have here. Uh, vitriol, uh, which we talked about uh, several times. We got ours from some gravel. It contains uh, both iron and sulfuric, sulfuric acid. Um, did, did we already mention that uh, we don't want our folks to do this at home? Yeah. Because, you know, that – Sulfuric acid is a bad, bad it's, deal. It's not good. Okay, so don't do this at home. Uh, nit- uh, natron, which is a sodium carbonate and sodium nitrate, which we know is saltpeter. Mm-hmm. Uh, pure nitric acid over a table salt, and uh, voila. Uh, and nitric acid can be made by pouring sulfuric acid over saltpeter. Uh, it dissolves silver out of the gold because we want the pure stuff. Mm-hmm. See, looking around, I see you've got uh, liquor hepatis to distill the sulfur, lime, and sal ammoniac. Oh, it stinks bad. I hope we don't need it. I'll never get the smell out, and your wife's going to kill you once again. Uh, Polvis solaris, sulfur with red mercuric oxide or black antimony. Don't mess with this. We're not going to tell you how to make mercury oxide because a side product is really poisonous. Hey, will this show get us on some kind of watch list? Oh, and and by the way, as a chemist, I really have some other chemist friends, and uh, they did try this stuff at home. Some of them don't have fingers and hands, so don't do this. (laughs) That's good. Okay, um, so we have our incubator. Now, we haven't given this too much thought, but if you were kind of neoplatonically minded or, or a hermetic alchemist... This is a box where your fermenting kind of deal mixture sits, and that's where you'd be meditating over. This is the most sacred part of the lab. Um, we're using a Chinese takeaway box and a turkey bag, but this is the most sensitive part of the process, so maybe we're doing it wrong. Alchemists would be quite superstitious about that. They wouldn't even let anybody touch it or even see it. This is the, the most important part of, of the process. I know we're treating the occult aspects of this process lightly, so let me explain the difference between a real alchemist's lab and our kitchen. Well, pretty much uh, huge differences, right, Travis? There's, there's, a, there's a few details that we're getting wrong. So an alchemist did not really believe in like scientific results being duplicable. Um, they didn't believe in duplica- duplication of the experiment. Um, so there's all kinds of other factors like the stars, the ambiance, the mood. Everything had to be just right. There's something magical about an alchemist process that we're leaving out. So, you know, I want to be upfront about that. A real lab would be full of symbols and kind of spiritual paraphernalia, depending on the beliefs of the alchemist. We've mentioned, we've done episodes on Hermeticism, Neoplatonism, Gnostics, and even the Kabbalah, and various alchemists belong to all of those groups, and the ritual aspect of making gold would vary. Some were adamantly opposed to anything like that. So, you know, there's a huge range there, and we can't go into all of them. So that's why we're kind of – we're going to leave that out, and we're, we're going to combine a, a, combine a few recipes to give you a wider swath. The spiritually minded would meditate and pray before during the process. The alchemist's temperament would rise and fall with the success of the stages of the experiment. The lab equipment could be works of art in themselves, these beautiful masterpieces, and there would – there was usually a very important spiritual component to both the equipment and the process. 
we're not trying to be disrespectful here. We're making light of this in a lot of ways because we're having fun, but we want to see if this recipe can work by purely chemical means. Yeah, exactly. Right? So if you're a collector of alchemists' recipes, it will try to give you uh, the symbols of the process so that you yourself can follow along with your own illustrations or text. And Travis, I believe you can probably post that someplace on your blog, right? Yeah, we'll give, we'll give some examples, sure. Um, with that, it's important to note that we will cover not just one recipe, like I said. We're going to mix several recipes with aspects of Lulian, Paracelsian, and Sendivogian, etc. processes to give you a wider picture. We will talk about alternative methods as we go. So let's go over some of the kind of general concepts and milestones that we'll need to make gold. The first one will be the Philosopher's Stone and the Materia Prima or also quintessence. Sendivogius said the philosopher's stone is the seed from gold. So the seed, basically the philosopher's stone is pure, pure, pure gold. Basically the gold must be really, really ripe. That's one way to look at it. Other alchemists would say it was maybe mercury that was kind of the seed to make gold. Um, it, you know, this vary from alchemist to alchemist. It helps to think of gold as a living thing that needs to be ripened. Um, they would see this as using natural methods found in the earth, which, you know, at least their understanding of what's in the earth, like fire and the spirit, you know, the spirit or soul of metal, in quotes. Um, and then they would replicate that in a lab. That's the way they looked at it. They're, they're replicating natural processes. But the main thing we need to understand, first off, is prima materia, the, the, the first matter, primary matter. The first matter, which is in everything, but probably easiest to get from those three essentials, sulfur, mercury, and salt. In essence, we are breaking these things down and combining mercury and sulfur and using salt to grow the stone. So we'll have this mm-hmm. an actual something to hold on to. We basically recombine these three essentials to perfect them. Yep. Right? So... How do we break this stuff down to get to wh- where we need to be? Yeah, the little side note here is that sometimes this is called quintessence. Sometimes quintessence is thought to be something else. So, I mean, Aristotle talked about quintessence. This, this could be the fifth uh, element. Uh, you know, different alchemists thought about this of different ways. So I know we're generalizing here. Sometimes quint- quintessence is the primary matter. Sometimes it's something else. Okay, the next thing we need to talk about is the universal solvent. So to get started, we have to break down the natural materials and then put it back together, build it back up in a more perfect manner, which will yield the philosopher's stone. Now, how do you break them down? Well, you can uh, uh, distill them, you use uh, some sort of a liquid, or you fire it, you burn it, and... uh, So going back to a liquid, you might use the purest form of water, the purest of pure water, the elixir of life, or a universal solvent. Today, we think of these things as acids, but uh, they didn't understand that. And uh, or also um, air, which corrupts metals. We uh, you can think of rust. So the way that uh, this is thought of is the earth is the womb that is the metals natural habitat where it is distilled, in quotes, from baser metals into its pure form. Yeah, I know we talked about this before on Sendivogius' episode, where if you mined tin, you would have little specks of copper in it. And if you mined silver, you would have little specks of gold in it. So they believe that the metal ripens in the earth. So that's, you know, you kind of break it down to one thing, 
And that's why they believed that you could turn things like lead into gold. Right. So another little aspect is that you might, this kind of from, from Paracelsus, is that you could heat gold for up to seven to ten months. And fire is basically the fertilizer of gold. So, so you, know, you come back to these four elements. We, we talked about air corrupting, like rust. Um, you have water in the form of acids, um, fire. These are all breaking it down. Earth is your ingredients, whether it's salt or, or sulfur or whatever. Those are all aspects of earth. And then we're building it back up. The most perfect earth would be metals, and the most perfect metal would be gold. Okay. So I know that was all, that was all theoretical. So... Let's get down to business. We got our sulfur. We got our salts. We have our mercury. Now, make sure you brush up on your four elements. And now, wait until the proper astrological significant time. Okay? That's important. And let's get cooking. Okay, so the first phase that we have is the black phase, which is also known as negretto. Um, Call black phase because you're cooking. And it makes complete sense. And we burn your wife's pots. You'll see that we're, that's what we're doing. Uh, so, uh, depending on the source, either sulfur and mercury, or alternatively, base metals such as lead, tin, iron, or copper, which turn black on the surface. So we're using some lead, a and a healthy dose of sulfur, and uh, we have just using regular table salt and some mercury. Depending on the recipe, many different starting ingredients could be used. For instance, some call for a small amount of gold to seed the rest. Now keep in mind, for better results, get your Neoplatonic meditation on. So what that means is, so while you're cooking, please contemplate the nature of God. All right? so yeah. this, is, this is important. Right? It, 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 alchemists would really keep this in mind. Oh yeah, this would be make or break. And yeah, if, if you didn't really sell yourself on this concept, you're just wasting your time. Yep. All right. So you want to start with calcination, basically boiling down the sulfur, which is smelling so wonderful right now in this kitchen, uh, or vitriol, uh, or something in a crucible until you have uh, the ashes around it. So we're doing this uh, using heated limestone, which we have uh, already preheated. In an illustration, this step, called calcination, might be represented by the horns of the zodiac sign for Aries. Mm-hmm. Now, we also talked about this at the beginning of the podcast, that we need to keep the astrological aspect in our mind as yep. well. Right? So if you happen to have an old you know, copy of a medieval manuscript of alchemy, you're looking for these kinds of symbols, right? Okay, so we could also be talking about symbol for fire, dragons, skeletons, bones, salamanders burning, of course. That's one of my favorites. Crows, <laughs> even crucifi- crucifixion. Sometimes the first step involves acids instead of fire. Remember the universal solvent. Remember what we talked about with that. Mm-hmm. Acids are very important to alchemists, and we're the first to really use them in experimentation. Yep. I'm going to okay. do some things around here while we're doing this, okay? Yeah, yeah. Keep, on, right. keep on cooking. So after calcination, then comes dissolution. So if you cook vitriol, you now have sulfuric acid. Throw those ashes or whatever you got out of that in water. Now, elixir, the word elixir comes from the Arabic al-ixir, meaning from the ashes, which comes from this step in the alchemical process. That's where the word comes from. Symbols and illustrations, if you're following along, like the zodiac would be cancer for dissolution. Uh, You're also looking for lakes, floods, fish swimming, that kind of thing. Now, the black phase can take several months, and it can be the most difficult, critical kind of make-or-break stage. You need a very consistent temperature. You need to keep the right amount, like the right level of your vessel out of the flame. So that's why they have these fancy kind of glass 
vessels where you'd see like two stages of it. You know, it has to be just right. Okay. Once we got that done, we got our ashes. We have our uh, our elixir, basically. That brings us to the white phase, also known as albedo. Called white because depending on the source, either now you're working with ashes and salt, or alternately, when you add noble metals to the previous alloys, they lighten. So either way, white phase. Okay. The next thing is, in the white phase, the first step is separation. Okay, so we're talking about separation. We want to isolate the stuff that we want. So that might be uh, salt at this point. Uh, it could be some other mineral, some other substance. But the way we do that is we're going to we're going to separate. We're going to filter out stuff. This might be called inhibition in quotes. Um, there's a number of methods here that could be used. Uh, if you're a chemist like me, you would know about settling or decomposing, skimming, sifting, or agitation with air. You just shake it. The key here is that you're separating your salt, in quotes, from the liquid and the junk. Now, the sign Scorpio, uh, other symbols uh, that we've talked about before, could be filters or funnels or piles of sand using the filtering. Double-edged axes, swords, hanging from above your head. Knights holding swords or dismemberment. Yeah. Right? Those are some interesting signs. Um, splitting uh, of the Red Sea. White birds flying over a black landscape. All great things you might uh, see in a, in, in a really odd, odd p- painting at the Modern History Museum or something along yeah. those lines, right? So, um, or a bad dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, this takes us to conjunction. So conjunction, uh, conjunction is kind of self-explanatory. You're binding stuff together. So you're, you're basically, we want to combine and bind our salt to something else. And this is often just another salt, in quotes, because, you know, another, uh, some kind of chemical compound. It could be saltpeter, uh, which is potassium nitrate, which is, that's what we're using. We're not going to tell how we made it. Was that what we were doing when we were mixing the dog poop with wood ash and, and peeled it back? Dude, th- this, is, this is a family show? Th- this is, this and is, yes. <laughs> I, I knew there was a reason why you were telling me that. It seemed a little off. It was, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> okay, anyways. One way of looking at it is that you're combining the elements of fire, water, and air to create a new purified earth element. Okay? So when you got that... Basically, what we're doing is we're mixing it. You, you combine your, your ingredients and make sure it's very well mixed. Again, the zodiac sign for this would be Taurus. We're also looking at symbols of roosters, rams, satyrs, double-chambered furnaces, ropes or chains, you know, think combination, something tying something to something else. Sometimes a glass vessel with two parts is shown, like an egg timer, like a sand clock, you know, that kind of thing. Now, if you're heating your black stuff and you see oils rising, that's known as the peacock's tail because of the colors. It, it, you know, we, we started to see the colors, which that will lead us to the red face or rubedo. So if you're looking through your alchemy text and you see a red king and a white queen, maybe they're holding hands, maybe holding onto a small container. That's because they work together. What's white will turn red as we heat it, Travis. So we have to keep a really close eye on this uh, to, to not only to see what the, what's doing with the, with the heat process, but also what color is, is being created here. Yeah. So if you're working with metals, it is turning red or especially um, some type of purple indicating that there's gold there, mm-hmm. right? So we're on the right track. That means that this is working. So I'm going to kind of turn up the flame a little bit here on this one to, to help with the fermentation process. 
um, which is kind of nasty. It, it involves cooking uh, some of that dung we talked about, generally some ways to get, uh, get out the ammonium. Um, which is which is a uh, kind of a smelly process. It's here, not with you. pleasant. Uh, uh, this step is sometimes combined with the putrefaction process, mm-hmm. right? Um, so this involves using organic matter to ferment our concoction to create the reaction that we really want. Alchemists sometimes use this dung for bacteria purposes, which they they didn't know really about bacteri- bacteria specifically, Travis. Right. right. So at the end of the phase, it is signaled with the peacock's tail. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll just add a little bit of um, some of this. Okay, this is going to be rough. D- uh, dung manure I gathered outside. Yikes. I'm glad I brought my gloves. And, man, it's a good time that your wife isn't home. That's I'm going to tell you that right probably now. Probably for the best. Uh, we're going to have to have about, what, an hour to clean when we're done with this? Yeah, I hope. she's. I think she just landed right now. And, okay, that's good. <laughs> Eat it up. Wait for it to bubble up. Okay, good. Oh, that does not smell good. No, it does where, not. Where did you find that stuff? Okay, now we just have to wait. Oh, look. Ah, there's the peacock's feather. Oh, I am so sorry that it took all night. Pete, are you going to have to call your wife? Yeah, and I'm going to need some more Red Bull. This is taking a little longer than I thought. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So that's good. That worked out pretty well. That's, that's definitely a good sign. And now this brings us to the good stuff, which is distillation. In fact, alchemists invented distillation. So we throw some more sulfur in the still. Oh, man, that's, that's awful. Okay, so we'll distill what we got. Now, this is what we need the cucurbit for. This is basically our boiling vessel and our alembic. Remember that? So the alembic is that round thing with the kind of pelican's beak going I, off I the think top. We've seen, sometimes you might be familiar with that in chemistry class back we've, in high school, Yeah, right? we brought it up a bunch. Yeah. So that's basically to collect the vapors as we're distilling here. A retort will also do. Now, sometimes they combine the steps of distillation and sublimation. In sublimation, no liquid is used. And that's basically what we're doing. So we've we kind of combined it. We didn't add any water necessarily. Our, our brew is kind of runny, uh, um, we, but we didn't add any water. So this is sometimes, sometimes com- considered pure, which is why we chose to do it this way. And we should get crystals or powder forming where the vapors condense at the top of our alembic. This is almost our last step. But this can take many months, up to, up to like 10 months. So, Pete, um, we're going to let you go right now, and we'll call you when we're ready. Um, I also need to find a place where my wife will not find it. I think it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a call when, when we're ready, all right? Sounds good, buddy. Okay. And we're back. Our coagulation step. Uh, now, now that you've got a mix of mercury and sulfur, uh, can't really remember the uh, chemical compound in this one, but but now you've got your magical philosopher's stone, which is actually a, a pretty important part of this whole process. Now let me state that these recipes can be jumbled. This is the this is the the point that gets a little uh, uh, confusing for a lot of people. Uh, mercury does not always mean mercury in its in its terminology. Salt doesn't always mean sodium chloride. It's some. It seems every alchemical text I, I, I've read and we've talked about on the show has a variation of these steps, and some mock all of them all together. Um, so, uh, but, Paracelsus, uh, we're looking at you. It, right, exactly. Paracelsus is a good, good uh, uh, remembrance of one of our podcasts that we've had. But the, the above all has a lot of components that alchemical processes uh, had in common. So that's important to know that 
Uh, these steps can be followed, but just remember that definitions kind of mean different things. Right, and and another problem, or you know, if you're a charlatan, this is a benefit, is that sometimes the calcination process could take up to 10 months at a very steady and consistent temperature. So if you were a, a nobleman or kind of a royal patron, you better have some patience and some cash flow to spend on fuel for furnaces, right? Well... For us here in, our, in my kitchen, we'd like to hear how your experiment went, if you have experience in this. But again, if you don't, don't do it. Just don't do it. We will neither confirm or deny our success here. I'm feeling but, pretty good. Yeah, but uh, we'd like to thank our chemist consultant for joining us. Thank you, Randy. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. Yep, and thank you very much for listening. Thanks, and take care. Dude. We definitely don't have to worry about the podcast server costs anymore. So do you want to hit up the BMW dealer first? Or you said you knew a good uh, real, estate, real estate guy? Well, first of all, let's get these mics definitely replaced because that's the first thing uh, we need to do. But let's go, let's go get some beers. Let's get some Pivo. Maybe we should uh, just buy the brewery instead with this gold. Wow. Uh, eureka. Um, um, anyway, um, I'm going to be very happy with uh, my pay for this little episode. Uh, hey, guy, you know, you better... Uh, probably have some of this made into gold jewelry for your wife since look at this kitchen you destroyed destroyed, it. destroyed this kitchen yeah you've been listening to the history of alchemy podcast with travis dow and pete coleman for more information about this episode other episodes and other information about alchemy alchemists and related subjects visit historyofalchemy.com find us on itunes subscribe review and don't forget to rate us We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments, ideas, and corrections to podcast at historyofalchemy.com or get in touch via Facebook on the History of Alchemy podcast page or Twitter at Alchemy Podcast. Tune in to our sister podcast all about the Czech Republic, Bohemican, which is also available on iTunes or on bohemican.com. Until next time on the History of Alchemy podcast, thank you for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.